Networking and marketing made simple is for you, the business owner who has a product, a service, or a message that you believe in. My name is Scott Aaron, and each week we'll take a behind the scenes look into the real world marketing and networking tactics and strategies for getting what you have in front of you to a lot more people. Thanks for spending time with me. And now let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Networking and Marketing Made Simple. Super excited for today's episode. I know all of you are as well as you love these interview episodes that I love bringing you. And my good friend Martin Cowart is here today. And what I love about Martin is a number of things. He focuses within a specific demographic of clientele, which I'm going to have him talk a little bit more deeply about. But he is a an individual who really focuses on money mindset. And my wife and I talk about this all the time, that there's not enough financial education out there. There's not enough people teaching prosperity uh, mentality and all of those prosperous thinking and the tools that are out there. And all of you are lucky enough to have someone that does to educate all of you today. So with that being said, Martin, welcome to today's episode. Thank you, Scott. And it's a real joy and a pleasure to, um, an honor to be asked to be on your podcast. Because, you know, I love to talk about money and I love to talk the truth about money. And I haven't always lived with this, uh, what I call an abundance mindset. I, I, I grew up like a lot of us in this country where I was actually terrorized by money. And it wasn't until my late 60s, early 60s, I realized all of my suffering and all of my pain, and I think all the suffering and the pain in the world actually is rooted in a false narrative called the scarcity mindset, that there's not enough money, there's not enough resources, I'm not enough. It's this belief of lack. And it can get so painful that it's just, it becomes impossible. So I had to go through a sort of a dark night of the soul, if you will, back in, in 2016, where I literally had to surrender my beliefs about myself, about not being good enough, not having enough money, and having to prove myself of being worthy about making a lot of money. And, and I probably made more money than most. I mean, I, I achieved a, letter of, a level of success beyond what most people do. I was a I was a wealth manager for a Fortune 100 wealth management firm with a beautiful office overlooking Park Avenue. It all came tumbling down. And in that darkness, I realized that it was all based on a lie. And uh, it's, it's, it's the false narrative of the scarcity mindset. Because the, the truth is this. We come from abundance. We live in abundance. And there is there are infinite resources for us to create a wonderful life. And inside that, money is created. We create money out of adding value to the world. There's no big pile of money in the sky that if we take my share, it's going to take it from you. We can all be as wealthy as the, the wealthiest black woman in the world, Oprah Winfrey, who just came out worth 2.7. We can all be worth that kind of money. She didn't take anything from me or you. She created that by serving the planet, by bringing her, 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 her heart to making the world better for other people. And that's what we do. And that's what I talk about is the abundance mindset is the ability to bring our best of ourselves to the world, to create a world for the betterment of everyone. And it's interesting that you talk about that whole abundant mindset, because uh, I actually, for some of my listeners know this, that I actually teach and train 
some of the largest financial firms in the world. I, I teach their, their representatives how to leverage LinkedIn. And what I always found really intriguing, and, and I'm sure you can provide some insight on this, is that a lot of wealth managers, a lot of financial advisors, a lot of financial planners that manage other people's money and other people's wealth, behind closed doors, struggle with their own money mindset around creating oh. their own wealth. So I, I, I want to kind of, you know, lift the veil on that. So talk a little bit about behind the scenes. So the, not the, the one side of the door where it's the person investing in that wealth manager, that financial advisor, that financial planner. Let's talk about on the other side of that door, that person who's receiving the money, their money mindset. And why do you feel there's a lot of people in wealth management that do struggle with that that conscious that's not as prosperous as it should be? That is a wonderful question. And I'll tell you exactly what it is. It is because the traditional financial planning model <clears throat> is a fear-driven model. It is not driven by love and the truth. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. I mean, I was part of that. It, the idea is that we, people who come to see us always want financial freedom. They always want financial security. And I, we could design the best models in the world. I mean, we and some of my clients had more money than they could spend in 10 lifetimes. But unless they have a, an abundance mindset, it's never going to be enough. And what people really want is they want emotional freedom. They want to be free emotionally from their attachments to money. And, and, be, and I think a lot of financial planners, like me being one of them, I went to work for a company called Strategies for Wealth. I wanted to learn how to create wealth on the external level. And so I, I, that's how I became a, a, an advisor. The problem is it's fear-driven. It's driven that if I don't do these things, that I don't create this well, I'm not going to have enough to be happy. And so there's a, there's a flaw in there. So if you don't resolve the internal conflicts, whether you're the advisor, it doesn't matter which side of the table you're on, whether you're on the, the advising side or being advised, if you don't, we don't resolve, resolve those inner conflicts, those emotional attachments to money, then we're not going to be able to be free ourselves and, we're, and our clients are not going to be able to be as free as well. And that's why I made the, the decision to get out of traditional financial planning and do something that's more uh, inward focused. So they say that a lot of your relationships with money are embedded into your DNA from your upbringing. The relationship that those closest to you uh, have with money and that's passed down. You know, you hear oh. the... The quotes. Absolutely, my friend. It is. This is the thing. People have been traumatized by money in our economy, in our in our culture, in a scarcity mindset culture, which is what we've been living in for obviously pre-pandemic. We have been living in what I'd call the male-dominated. I got to make my share. I got to get myself to get there. My family. This is my story. My great grandfather, at the turn of the century, the last one, 1900 shot and killed, he was one of the wealthiest men in, in, in South Georgia, shot and killed his brother over money. Now, their family was never the same since then, I promise you. His son, my grandfather, co committed suicide in his late 60s, broke, 
went to college in the Stutz Bearcat, and my father and mother argued about money all their lives. So for me, my therapist told me one time, Martin, you don't just have a fear of money. Money terrorizes you, and it terrorizes a lot of people. And that's what it is. That's that trauma. So what you're talking about is very real. And that's where those inner conflicts come from, because we've got this thing on the outside saying we have more money. We're going to be happy and all this other stuff. But we got an internal conflict saying, don't bring that around me. Look at all the trauma in my family that that has caused and all the pain that that has caused. I don't want anything to do with it. You know, some of the wealthiest people are also some of the most miserable people because money does not buy happiness, but it's really interesting you bring up that topic of generational wealth or lack of mm -hmm. generational wealth. And whenever you go through any sort of trauma, whether it's physical trauma, emotional trauma, psychological trauma, there's healing that needs to happen. So how did you personally heal from your trauma that has now allowed you to teach others how to do the same? So that is the million dollar question. I'm still healing from it. And you're, you're spot on. You have to be able, and that's what I do is in what I call shadow work, where I go in and look at those parts of myself that we don't like. We don't, we don't, we hide, we press and deny. And that's how we heal it. We learn to love those parts of ourselves. We learn to, we learn to learn to love. That's how we heal the trauma is by learning to heal the wound. We have to have the courage to go in. I'm sure you've had things in your time in your life too, but where you go, that's what, that's what we're challenged. So if you've got the willingness to go in and see what happened in that story, what is your money story that's creating so much pain in your life? Go back and look at that story and really pull it apart and see what's true. And what did you learn probably as a four or five-year-old kid listening to my parents arguing about money? My mother was a, was a wonderful woman, but she was a woman in the South scared to death with a child. My father wasn't making enough money in her eyes, whatever that was supposed to be. And she was scared. So she was arguing with my father and I was traumatized by hearing my parents argue. So I made up a story. If I don't make a lot of money, if I'm not rich and successful, I'm not lovable by my mother. So I had to go back and say, that's just not true. <laughs> you know, I had to go back and, and unpack that story. What is true? The truth is I'm a lovable, worthy, powerful, in my case, gay man out there. And, and for us gay people, and that's why I work with our with our tribe, gay, bi, and transgender men, is because not only are we dealing with a sense of unworth, everybody has a sense of worthiness and money. That's just a that's a human trait in our culture. But if you add the other piece, the sense of unworthiness because of our sexual orientation, it takes on a whole new level of unworthiness. So a lot of, of, of really powerful business leaders in my from my tribe have to work harder and they have to put more effort because they're trying to outprove that they're worthy and better than their straight counterpart, if that makes any sense to you. So it's all about going back into that story, into the wound that created the, the discomfort and you don't want to replay it, but you want to look at it as the as, as the grown, compassionate man and say, "What does that little boy need right now? What is what does he need? What does he need when he's watching his parents arguing about money? What does he need to be told?" And go back and tell that person that they're loved and that they're beautiful. They don't need to go out and make a lot of money. They just love for being who they are in all of their glory. If that makes any sense? 
Absolutely. And, and I remember you and I were having a conversation one day about the challenges you faced being a, a gay man in a very straight, alpha male dominated wealth <laughs> management industry. And, and again, you can call it a facade or an image, but how did Martin show up every day as that, what people expected him to be when on the inside, obviously you're, you're living your true, genuine, authentic self now after going through all of that, but share with the audience, because there's a lot of people that maybe feel like it may not be sexual orientation. It could be other issues, but you know, we end up faking it at times. And you see this a lot on social media, people pretending to live certain lives to fit in. What was that like for you being in such a high profile company with a very high profile job and, and realizing that, that you weren't living your truest self? And, and, and what did you do to kind of get yourself through that time period that's yeah. allowed you to, to be where you are now? Well, the, it, it really comes down to imposter syndrome, which we, which many, many, and the more successful you are, the higher the chances of imposter syndrome raising its head, because we don't ever feel like we deserve to be in those positions. Now, in my case, I was actually hired by my firm because they wanted me, because I was a, I was a very visible, high profile gay man. I was the, uh, at the time I was the gala coach here for the human rights campaign uh, gala. So I was out there as a real presence and they and they were big in the in, in supporting the community, but they didn't have anybody out there to service the community. So they hired me to come in and service the community. But this is something that's very important. And this I was talking to a, a guy the other day about in, in diversity and inclusion. On the surface level, and this is what became so clear after 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 Trump was made president, and everybody was jumping up with joy because the, for my in my case the bullies who bullied me were now running the world. They hired me, in a way. Looking back, I feel like I was a little bit pimped, if you will, because they wanted they wanted someone to go out and market to that community. And they wanted a real person, and they were and they were on the surface. But I'm going to tell you a little story about one of the guys I used to work with. I went to I went to the this, this is an example of how it's got to be at the deeper level, not just the surface level. You've got to really want to get to know and be friends and be allies to men, to gay men. I sent him a very simple little picture one day of me at the New York Gay Expo Business Expo, of me having a good time with my fellow gay business leaders. It was just a fun picture. And I just sent him a snapshot and said, well, here we are at the gay expo, at the gay business expo. He wrote me back, why are you sending me these offensive pictures? And I thought to myself, that's, why would you, why, you can send me pictures of you and your family on weekends. I send you a picture of me with other gay men and women at an expo and you tell me it's offensive? That's what I'm talking about, that deeper level of, of acceptance and inclusion. They wanted me as far as I was, a, if I was going to bring in money to the firm and go out and tap into this huge trillion dollar <laughs> organ, part, of, part of our culture. But they didn't want to know me as, as Martin Coward, the gay man, what I really cared and what I loved. You understand the difference? Oh, my God. I mean, uh, very, very well. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's funny when um, 
in, in my prior life, when I was in the fitness industry, uh, we, we owned a couple of health clubs. One was in old city, Philadelphia, which, um, does have a very prominent, um, uh, gay contingency and, uh, my family, you know, my parents, my sister, we've always, uh, been very supportive uh, of, of the community. Um, a lot of our staff, our instructors were part of the community and we just loved being a part of it. And, you know, I, I, I did make it a point to, to sit down uh, with, you know, a couple of my employees that became friends to understand more about their, their upbringing and, and the things that, that they deal with that as a, a straight man, a straight white male, um, doesn't necessarily have to, to, to go through. And it's, you know, you always, I always talk about, sometimes you have to take the lenses off of your, your own journey and you have to put the lenses on of someone else's to really see and feel what it's like. And, and that brings me to, to my next question is, you know, you serve a very, very niche demographic of, of clientele and, and, you know, you with the, with the knowledge and the skill set that you had being in wealth management for the, the years that you were, you decided to serve the gay trans by male community with financial literacy and prosperity thinking and abundance uh, mindset coaching. So obviously there's a correlation. It's, it's near and dear to your heart, but what really drew you to saying, you know what, I could serve everyone if I wanted to, but I really want to serve this demographic, my demographic, something that is relatable to me in a whole different way. So what kind of led you down that path to serving the community that you now are? I love that question. And I, and I, and I think you'll get the answer. You and I are, I got a little chill when you asked me that question, by the way. Uh, we're both part of, of the Unstoppable Entrepreneur. And it, it was being part of that movement, largely by women who what I call their Kelly, Kelly Roach and that group of women are leading this country away from the old scarcity thinking into prosperity living. They're, that's, that's, their, that's their conviction. That's what they're doing. They're doing it for women. I'm doing it for the gay man. I'm doing it for our community. I want us to be leaders in that movement because we've like the the women do they feel the pain of that we feel the pain of that and through that healing of that it is by us being part of that movement we're healing ourselves and we're healing the planet and that's why i feel like i'm more like she's better at probably working with women because that's what she knows i'm better at working with gay men because i understand the interior landscape of men. i do something called shadow work and i understand the interior landscape of of men i certainly don't understand women and i understand the interior of gay men better than i do straight men so that's that's why i want us the gay demographic the gbtq gay business leaders to be part of that movement into what i call the post-pandemic abundance economy where every we're building social structures and economic systems that everybody benefits and not just a few people. I love that. And it's, it's about serving people the way that you want to serve and, and the way that you know, how kind of sticking on abundant mindset. And I I think the pandemic did a lot of things. I think it, it, it pushed people 
into going down different avenues that they maybe never thought they were going to go down. But it also, in my opinion, raised a level of concern of the economic stature of the country that you and I live in. And this whole middle class that we thought that was there apparently was overlooked because we found out very quickly that when a lot of people did get furloughed or laid off, they didn't have any savings to even get them through to the next month. More people than we actually realized were living paycheck to paycheck and they were just getting by. And there were people at the top that were making all the money. And so it it really brought that about. But I think what it also brought about was the need to really hone in on why is prosperity not being achieved by more people when there is so much abundance out there? There is so much wealth to be achieved. There's so much impact to be had. So speaking from a, a, a grand notion, what do you feel that people need to do that are struggling with this lack mindset? And I don't have enough. And I, you know, I, I don't have it what it takes to, to make money because no one wakes up and says, I want to live a mediocre life. Everybody wants to live an abundant life, whatever that means to them. What are some things that people can start doing right now that are really struggling emotionally, trauma-wise with those past events of that lack mindset towards money? It's a very, very simple answer. And the answer is to meditate, to pray, to get in touch with that inner power within you that is abundant. Get to, get to it's, it's learn a practice of self-love. The more we love ourselves, the more we love and accept ourselves, including the parts we don't like, that's what shadow work is, the more abundant we realize we are. And it's all about shifting our perception of ourselves. We don't think we're loved unless we have a certain amount of money. And that's, that's the scarcity mindset. So the practice is, and uh, is to, is to practice self-love. What can you do to truly love yourself? How can you slow down and say, you know what, Scott, Martin, I am this wonderful, powerful, creative man that only knows love. And anything outside of that is just not real. And so you have, and, and that takes work. That takes practice. But in, in my coaching practice, I teach people through shadow work, a transformational process to how to be able to get through to it. But the way you sustain it is through a daily practice of a power hour. Like if you go to anyone like Tony Robbins or any, they all got some type of morning practice that empowers them, that brings up that inner power, that inner essence that knows only abundance and knows only love. And that's the practice, a practice of daily self-love. Couldn't agree more. That's how Nancy and I start every single morning. The first four hours of our day is dedicated to ourselves and and loving ourselves, whether um, it's our morning workout, our morning coffee together, breakfast together. Um, We we actually, I have my own uh, personal gratitude journal that I write in uh, every night before I go to bed. And Nancy actually got us a couple's gratitude journal where 
Uh, there's a line for the husband and a line for the wife. And there's a question asked different each night and you write an answer and it's a three-year journal. So after you finish the year, you go back and you start 2022. So you can reflect year to year where you were when that question was asked the year before. So you can kind of see your growth as a couple together, which um, I think is great. So I, I love that. I might give you a little clue too. add a little generosity piece to that and little and opportunities you had during the day to be generous with what you have. Like I was able to buy the guy who was standing on the corner, a cup of coffee and notice the transformation, the feeling when you're, there's a difference between kindness and nice. When I'm nice to someone, I usually, I want something back from them, but when I'm kind, I get an immediate sort of energy boost of, wow, I just bought that guy. Basically, I just listened to the guy on the street and bought him a cup of coffee. And it something shifted in me that automatically put me in a different place engine, uh, energy-wise than I would have before. That's So So just, just a thought, if you want to. I love gratitude is the antidote to fear. So there you go. Yeah, no, and, and generosity is huge. I, I love love giving anytime. And this is something that I also practice and I I would advise everybody to do this. Whenever you go to your local grocery store or your pharmacy and, or even a Petco, and they have that when you're paying with your credit card and um, they ask you to round up to donate to a certain charity, always do it because it doesn't matter if it's 50 cents or whatever it is. Like Nancy and I went to go make some spare keys at Lowe's the other day. And when we were at the key machine, one of the things that you can donate is a dollar to plant a tree in a forest. And I immediately hit the dollar. And, and again, people think that to, to be generous and to give that, that equates to a lot of money. No, it's, it's compounded generosity. You know, you how many people probably pressed that $1 that day? Thousands. So that's how a difference, it starts with one person. Yeah. And, then it, and then it compounds to the next person and to the next person. As you and I and everybody listening, as we all shift our interior energetic focus from scarcity to abundance, we shift energetically and then we attract other people of abundance and we attract money to us that way because we attract abundance into our lives. Because energetically, that's what we're out there producing. That's what we're bringing into the world. And I know that might sound real woo-woo to other people who are having a hard time paying their bills. And I've known those. I mean, my favorite example is Oprah Winfrey. We just mentioned her. She and I are both born in the, south, in the, in the rural South the same year, 1954. She was born in a rural, as a, as a poor black woman over in Mississippi. And I was born from a fairly privileged white family in Georgia. And my chances were much higher of success in hers. And she's now worth $2.7 billion because she tapped into something when she was a little girl that has changed the world. And that's what we're talking about here. So it's not impossible if you're out there living in a poor situation to shift the way you think. And that's all about learning to love yourself. Amazing. So Martin, if people did want to learn more about you, your coaching, your programs, your free community, that's amazing on Facebook, how can people get in touch with you after the episode? Well, I have two Facebook groups. I have one that's for the general public and it's called the Financial Mystics Sanctuary. And that's just a, a place that I, a Facebook group for anybody that wants to, to tap into some of my spiritual teachings and how I, how I use spiritual principles to solve financial problems. That's really what I talk about. 
I also have a specific Facebook group for my tribe. It's called Financial Heart Space for Gay, Transgender, and Bisexual Men. And that's specifically for the, the GBTQ business leader who is looking, who wants a safe sanctuary to, to, to love and support each other so we can build our businesses through collaboration. Amazing. So both of those links to those groups will be in the description of this episode for Great. the listeners. So I highly encourage you um, just to, if you want to join his general Facebook group, just to kind of get a, a taste of, of what Martin is like in his teachings, I highly recommend it. Um, so definitely go and take action on that. So Martin, final question before we sign off, what does success truly mean to you? Success means being comfortable in your own skin, loving yourself. My coach taught me years ago, he or she or they, who loves themselves the most wins the game of success. So it's all about who loves the most. That's it. That's success. How much can I love? And I want to just thank you for being an ally to our, I know you, you came on my, you came and taught a class for me a week ago. And I just want to thank you because without the allies, without people like you, Scott, it's really hard for us. I mean, so thank you for being an ally to our community and our tribe. Well, I always see people for who they are as human beings, and, and I'm very cognizant and, and empathetic to the, the roads that some people have to travel that aren't as easy for other people. And whatever I can do to serve as many communities as possible, to provide as many opportunities as possible, uh, I am always there front and center, hand raised, willing to, to lend a hand and to help any way I can. So it was really an honor and privilege to be a part of your community and, and looking forward to further the connection. And I, I couldn't agree more that the fact that not enough people practice self-love, because if you want to be able to love more and to give more, you have to love and give more to yourself first, because if your tank is left last to fill, there's going to be nothing left to actually fill it with. So fill your tank first so you can fill all the tanks of those around you after. Beautifully said. Thank you. I love that. I so, Martin, I just want to thank you again for being on the show today. I know the audience is going to take so much from it, and I highly encourage them again to take advantage of joining those two groups. So, Martin, thank you again for being here. And thank you so much for having me. I had a joy. Absolutely. So, everyone, Everything that we talked about and mentioned uh, group-wise will be in the description of this episode. We highly encourage you to join them. So again, please enjoy the rest of your day and I'll talk to you next time. Bye everyone. Thank you so much again for checking out today's episode. And if you are listening through iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are, Please leave me a rating and review. Let me know what you loved, what you would like to see improved, or ideas you have for future episodes. And if you are interested in taking your business to the next level, don't hesitate to go to my website, www.scotterron.net, where you can schedule a free discovery call with me, where I can learn more about you, your business, what you're struggling with, and how we can work together. And don't forget to check out my wife, Nancy, and mine, our free community on Facebook called LinkedIn Leads for Life. We would love to see you in there. Have a great rest of your day. And thank you, everyone, for your support. Grateful for each and every one of you.